I would like to preach about heaven every single time I preach, actually. Um, where are you headed, people? A little bit louder? Thank you. <laughs> if anybody asks you where you're headed, please tell them. Heaven. Yep, you got somewhere to go, people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't be falling asleep. You got stuff to do and you got a place to go. Uh, Cheryl has a sign, a nifty little sign like you'd see in a store, up in her treehouse little art studio. <laughs> that says helping each other get to heaven and um, that's what we're supposed to do somehow we get distracted we get a little busy sometimes we even get upset with each other rather than helping each other uh, sometimes with people that were around the most we kind of start almost seeing them as furniture. Uh, we need to help each other. The people that are around you the most, you need to help them. Uh, the people that you just bump into, you need to help them. Uh, Wednesday night, we got clipped by some nice little young mommy who was in a hurry, uh, sitting at a stoplight. We got clipped. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't great, but we wanted to help her. <laughs> uh, she, she was uh, late to pick up her little girl at the daycare, and uh, she was quite uh, thrown off by the whole thing. I didn't invite her to church right there, but uh, <laughs> we've had multiple <laughs> good interactions, and everything worked out fine, but um, you need to help everybody try to get to heaven. It always makes me sad when people that I know, people that I've known well, uh, somehow I am not able to help them get into the kingdom. It makes me really, really sad. Uh, yesterday, my brother-in-law died after 12 years fighting cancer down in Florida. And, you know, he was a nice guy. But he was not in the kingdom of God. I couldn't help get him there. Uh, I've been able to help some, not others. Uh, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. But you and I are bound for joy. Don't be sad too long, because you're bound for joy. And uh, so we need to talk this morning a little bit about what all of this is about, where you will be, where you, where you'll be when you end up where you're going, uh, when you get where you're going. Even though James says not to brag about the future, the reality is, and Solomon tells us this in Ecclesiastes, the reality is, 
that heaven is designed into human beings. So human beings always do better when they're pointing forward, when they're moving forward towards something. Always better, psychologically, uh, spiritually, do better when they have something to look forward to. Don't you know that from your own life? Uh, when you don't have something to look forward to, you, you kind of start getting a little depressed, a little ho-hum. Motivation goes away. you got something to look forward to. This is why the Apostle Paul talks about pressing forward. Keep leaning forward. Don't let all the stuff, the way it's a Hebrew writer, all the weight of the world get you stuck. A fellow named Malcolm Mugridge said, um, the only ultimate disaster that can befall us is to feel ourselves to be at home here on earth. Do I need to read that again? Okay, one more time. The only ultimate disaster that can befall us is to feel ourselves to be at home on earth. Because you are not home, people. You are not home. Now, we can be thankful for having a home that is a sanctuary, a protection of some sort. That's, that's great. But Jesus comes to earth talking about having his father having a big house with a lot of rooms. Isn't that intriguing? The Messiah, the Savior of the world, comes to the, the earth and he starts talking about his father's house that has a lot of rooms. Interesting. He's talking about your home. You know, what did he say? You have, you have to seek the kingdom of God first. You have to seek him first. Seek the reign of God first. Seek him before everything else. And he will take care of you. He will take care of you. Not only now, but into eternity. That's the best possible teaching you could have ever heard. When God is reigning in your life, you are being taken care of in the best possible way. And you will be forever in his home. Now, if that doesn't give you peace and joy, nothing will. Nothing will. <clears throat> Solomon said, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. I talk to people who don't know anything about the Bible, and sometimes they kind of know somehow that there's something spiritual inside of them. Something that is bigger than just this timeline on earth. How do they figure that out? How do they have a sense of that? Well, they do, and I've met a lot of people who kind of, you know, they're looking for something, they're struggling, they're trying to figure that out, but Jesus uh, is coming to talk about the home. Solomon is talking about eternity built in to the hearts of men. Um, let's look into this a little bit. Uh, the Hebrew passage that uh, was read there um, in 11.6 says, uh, They were looking for a better place, a heavenly home. Uh, the people, God's people uh, in the past, 
That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then Jesus later on uh, in John 14 uh, talks about that as well. We'll look at that in just a second. But Jesus early on in 5.12 of Matthew says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. This is right out of the box. He's talking to people about heaven. Okay. He's serious about this. This is, this is primary. This is primary. Um, there's more than enough room in my father's home. This is the John 14 passage. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Uh, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. Uh, so that you will always be with me where I am. Uh, when Jesus left the earth, in Matthew 28, he says, I'm, I'm not leaving you abandoned. I'm not leaving you as orphans. Uh, uh, he says uh, that in John 14 in a different way. Uh, he's sending, uh, the, the Father is sending a counselor. The Holy Spirit is coming. And uh, so you and I uh, are, are being readied while Jesus is preparing a place for us uh, in eternity. And um, so that's, that's what he's explaining. And he says, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So this, John 14, uh, he's not only talking about the Holy Spirit being a comforter and, and uh, being, you know, the Father and, and him residing in us. Uh, through the Holy Spirit. He's not only explaining all that, but he's saying, hey, I will come and get you. You and I need to believe Jesus a little bit more. A little bit more. He's going to come back and he's going to get you. Um, now, if you've been a parent and you've dropped your kid off somewhere and you come back uh, nine minutes late and they're standing there a little bit nervous... Uh, <laughs> you know how important this is. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. Don't be thinking he's going to be nine minutes late. It'll be just perfect timing. <laughs> he is coming back. And he is going to be in the clouds, we are told. He's coming back the same way he left, in the clouds. He ascended into heaven in the clouds. And we will meet him in the clouds, the apostles teach very clearly. You and I will see him, we will meet him in the clouds, not on earth, in the clouds. So get ready for a great event. I'm not sure if you're properly prepared for this. <laughs> Jesus comes and you guys are scrambling like it's a fire drill. I don't know. No, you and I need to be totally prepared. We know what's going to happen. We know that he is going to appear in the clouds. We will hear a trumpet sound. Everybody's attention will be had. Everybody will know. And every knee will bow. And you and I will meet him in the clouds if we're still alive. In any case, the Apostle Paul tells the detail to the Thessalonians how it's going to happen. You got to read that over and over and over because Paul says, I'm writing this to encourage you. To encourage you. Don't be getting all sad about death and this and that. You be looking for me. Jesus is trying to tell us, you be ready 
because I'm going to get the place ready. You be ready when I come back. You be ready when I come back. I don't think Jesus really wants to hear, I was busy with that, I was busy with this. I, was, I don't think he really, that's not his thing. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the reign of God, the will of God, the purpose of God. Before you start thinking about anything else, all of your wants and needs, you think about the will of God. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him, says James, chapter 1, verse 12. And it sounds a lot like Romans 8, uh, 8 28. It's, it's the love of God, the love of God that compels us to follow Jesus Christ every day. Where is he leading us? The loving Savior is leading us, many sons, to glory. He's leading us, heaven-bound, to our eternal home. And so we need to be ready to endure different things, deal with different temptations, deal with different things, with that in mind. With that in mind. Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Jesus said this, While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Huh. This will help us to know what we're talking about next. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You being merciful all day, people? Did you get a little bit snarky halfway through the day? Huh? 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 Yeah? You ever get a little mean-spirited with your rebuttal uh, to somebody? You, can... you and I need to be merciful all day long. All day long with his help. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be dressed and ready for service. For service. Be ready to serve somebody and keep your lamps burning. Keep Keep yourself fueled spiritually. Keep your light going. The light of Christ in you. Stay fueled every day. Stay close to him. Burning bright and serving like him. You are the light of the world. So it went from Jesus being the light of the world to you and I being the light of the world. Him serving to us serving. And our light being bright because we're paying attention. We're keeping our lights burning, ready for him to come back. Ready for him to come back. Followers of Jesus help. You know, this is the history of the world. People don't get this. The last 2,000 years, Jesus' followers were the most helpful human beings to ever live on the earth. Anybody got to tell you that on TV? You got to see a little blog on that? Huh? The answer is no, probably. But the reality is, and history even tells us, we know from history, the first universities were started by 
followers of Jesus Christ, the oldest universities in the world, all started by followers of Jesus Christ. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, started by followers of Jesus Christ. For his purpose, something happened. Hospitals. It wasn't just the Escapleon in Kos, where the apostles actually traveled, where Hippocrates was. It wasn't, that wasn't just the beginning. The, the real history of hospitals and, and all kinds of, even hotels and stuff, it was Christians. Christians were the ones who did it. They loved people. They helped people. They served people. You wouldn't have Florence Nightingale and a bunch of other folks because of Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus Christ that people became very helpful. You know what happened in the first century? The first century, you know what the first Christians did? They would go out to the garbage dump, sometimes every day, definitely every week. Some followers of Jesus Christ would go to the dump and they would save babies that had been left there to die. They were the only ones. Nobody else was going to the dump to get babies who had been abandoned. The followers of Jesus Christ. That's why you have orphanages today. They're almost all Christian. Except for where secular government has intervened and made it almost impossible. Followers of Jesus Christ help. They have helped nonstop since Jesus walked the earth because Jesus showed them the example. He told them to. He reached out to people in compassion. So in everything, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's what Jesus taught. It's not happening that much right now. A lot of people these days don't even know the golden rule. Couldn't tell you what it was. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do. You're digging coal. You're uh, sacking groceries. You're at a typewriter. Or a, well, they don't have typewriters anymore. <laughs> well, I have a typewriter. <laughs> I also have a cassette. But <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> you work at it with all of your heart, whatever it is you're doing, uh, as working for the Lord, not for men. Remember that. Next time you're boss or other people around you are driving out of your mind, you're going nuts because they're not treating you properly, remember what Paul said. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. He's the one coming back. He's the one who actually counts. He's the one who counts. Followers encourage. They encourage. You know... You can help your kids. You know, you can help your spouse. You can encourage your kids. You can encourage your spouse. And man, you need to. You need to. You really need to. And I'm glad to hear among some of the marriages here that that does happen. 
It does happen. I'm so thankful. That's the way it's supposed to be. In families, among brothers and sisters. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. This was happening in Thessalonica. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Might be tough. Supposed to be patient. Uh, always be kind to each other and to everyone else. Man, that is the most totally inclusive statement I ever heard. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Uh, always be kind to each other and to everyone else. <laughs> That's a big blanket, people. Be kind to everyone else. But first, be kind to the people around you. Be kind to your loved ones. Be kind. 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 Encouraging. Followers love. You're following Jesus Christ, the one who's showing you the character of God, who is love. He's, it, it's not a wonder that, that the apostles teach these things so clearly. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. There it is again. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. These things actually are all wound up in agape. They are part of, of agape love coming to us through Christ. He was patient with us. He was humble. He was gentle. He was kind. And so his followers need to be that also. Paul says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. That's Paul's purpose. His purpose for doing what he was doing. You know, as an evangelist, I'm not only supposed to be reaching people with the gospel every day, which I try to do every single day, but I'm also supposed to be equipping you. That's why I have some of these crazy classes, uh, teaching different things, why we have the classes upstairs, equipping the body, because it's part of getting ready. It's... it's Paul's saying, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. Don't be thinking you need Jesus and 4,000 other things. You don't need 4,000 other things. All of the riches that are possible are found in Jesus Christ. If you have him, if you're being loyal to him, you have everything you need. Everything. Followers pray. Just like Jesus. Jesus prayed. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Part of your staying ready, being ready, is praying. And... Uh, just as Jesus prayed because he loved, you and I end up, uh, Augustine says, he who loves much prays much. If you really love the people around you, you will pray for them. You will cover them with prayer. If you really love your brothers and sisters here at Laurel, you will pray for them. You'll cover them in prayer in specific ways too. In all different kinds of times. Loving and praying. 
go together. Heaven will be fuller and brighter and glorious inhabitants. Earth will be better prepared for its bridal day. And hell robbed of many of its victims because we have lived to pray. Says Ian e. Bounds in his book, The Reality of Prayer. Ian e. Bounds, if you haven't read some of his books, please read them. His focus is on prayer, but the power of God. The power of God in praying. And what he's saying here, because you and I are living, we're following Jesus Christ, and we pray in a very deliberate, intentional, activated way, some people will be spared hell. Yeah, because if you're praying. Some people will be ready when Jesus comes back because of your praying. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. That's why Jesus prayed, besides staying close to the Father. Colossians 3.11, set your hearts on things above. Where did Jesus go? He went up into the clouds. They saw him go up into the clouds, and he said, yeah, I'm coming back the same way. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He is in control. He is in power. He is sovereign. The Lord that you are being faithful to every day is the sovereign one in control of all things, operationally in control of all things, not just theoretically or theologically. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Our minds get so tangled up in earthly things you can't, you, this is one of the reasons for learn to discern too. Our minds are so tangled up in the earthly things that we can't even begin to see the truth for what it is. But the truth is going to set us free. We've got to set our minds on things above. When Christ appears, then you will appear with him in glory. When Christ comes back, you'll be seen with him. The glorified Christ, and you will be in his glory. That's awesome, man. Don't be putting that on the shelf. Don't put that on the shelf tomorrow when you wake up. The riches, all the riches, the mystery of Christ in you. It's a glorious thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one you're following. So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Because if you want, you momentarily, you lose track of the back of Jesus' head, that's the moment you're going to get zinged. I know, it's the way it works. That moment, that moment, that's when you're going to get zinged. Satan's going to ding. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. It doesn't mean you're going to go along, get along, but you're going to have a, an aura of some peace. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You might want to underline that. We're going to talk about this in LTD at some point, but... Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We need to get our minds around that. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, this is a colossal passage, but I'm telling you that last part is the whopper. Because, you know what? If you have ever been resentful 
in your life, which I'm thinking you have. Every human being I've ever known has had some resentment. Something bad happened. They were mistreated. Something really negative happened, and they have some resentment. It's dangerous. Allowing those resentments, any baseline, any root of hatred to take hold in your heart, because it will cause trouble, and it will defile many. You know, some of the hate that's being talked about right now, it has to do with various kinds of resentment. It's contrary to the Word of God. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. Don't let the bitter root grow, people, because you want to be prepared. You want to be ready. Hebrews 12, 22, 29, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Here we go. The city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Think about that. Think about that. I mean, this is great when we have 200, 400 people. That's fantastic. But you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people and angels. Thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You and I were born again when we were baptized into Christ. And our name was put in the book of life because we're covered with the blood of the Lamb. He was the firstborn. We're following Him. We're following Him to Mount Zion. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Jesus asked. My question to you is, do you believe this? I still know some members of the church that don't believe what is being said by Jesus here in John 11. I don't know if it's too complicated or we just need a little more information, but he's saying what he's saying. We'll never die. And the answer was, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's the right answer. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Jesus says, whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. You must be born again. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He who feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus Christ is the one who sustains you. When you are united with him in baptism, according to Romans 6, the Apostle Paul very clearly says that's where you are united with Christ. When that happens... You have been buried with Christ and resurrected with Christ and you are walking in a new way with Christ and he is sustaining you in every way. He is your life. He is your life, the Apostle Paul says.
one of the last things Jesus is going to say to us is, go out to the roads and the country lanes. You got any country lanes by you? Guilford Road, that's kind of a country lane. <laughs> you got any country lanes? We got a lot of roads. I'm, I don't think I'm suggesting I-95. <laughs> but go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. That's what Jesus says. Hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The father has a big house. He wants all the rooms filled up. It hasn't changed. He and I are supposed to go out. Out there. Out there. Wherever you're at. Wherever you go. And you're supposed to tell them the message of the love of Jesus Christ. And how it changes everything. And how he has made a place for them they will follow him. I put some copies out here on the table of something I call seven questions. Seven questions. And uh, this is one of my favorite ways of uh, sharing the gospel with people. I might have to make another 200 copies, I don't know, but seven questions. And I hand this to somebody. And if they want to talk about it, look at the things together, we do. Sometimes people want to just look at this themselves and look up the passages and think about it and then get back to you. Seven questions. It's interesting how if you help people ask certain questions, they can come to know the truth. They can come to know the truth. So I just offer that as a, a simple tool. As you go out to the highways, you go out, you reach out, you help some people that you know, some people that are around you. Share something. Share the love of Christ. Talk a little bit. Ask some questions. Open up the Word of God. Are you ready to uh, meet him? That's not a very uh, good response, people. Are you ready to meet him? Yes. I'm talking about Jesus coming back in the clouds. If you're here and you have not been baptized into Christ, you have not been united with Christ, you're not actively following Jesus Christ the way he prescribed. That's the starting place. And you should not waste any more time. You should begin follow him, following him today. You should start the new life in Christ today. If you're here and you're not baptized into Christ yet, I want you to come talk to me afterwards. Let's stand and sing.